Hello, and welcome to Diversity. It's a podcast where we talk about culturally relevant conversation. Each episode, we bring on guests to discuss topics surrounding multiculturalism, diversity, and inclusion. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your cup of tea. Hello again. My name is Joseph. I'm the student director of the Multicultural Diversity and Inclusion Office here at GCU. I am your host for the second series of this podcast called Diversity. And on this episode, we'll be discussing Black Lives Matter movement. And with me, I have Cameron Baudet, who will be answering some questions for us. Cameron, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to be a part of this podcast. Oh, man. Thank you for having me, bro. I'm glad to be on here. And can you just give us a little bit about yourself, a little intro? Yeah, yeah. I'm a junior here at GCU from Denver, Colorado, born and raised. So I'm a, I'm a hometown boy. Moved out here to get away from the cold, get in the heat. I feel you. Uh, yes. Little did I know it'd be as hot as it is here in the summer. So <laughs> That's right. Um, I kind of didn't know what I was getting myself into. But yeah, I love it out here in AZ. Love it here at GCU. Kind of involved on campus. I work on campus at the Antelope Reception Center. Technically, my, my title is GCU Live Ambassador, so I do the, the virtual tours on Zoom. Um, and then I'm also fairly involved with the Multicultural Office, right. how I got to know you and Mr. Glenn and all you guys. Me and a co-worker, James Edmonds, started up a group on campus called Minority Excellence Network, mm-hmm. um, which is basically just a group on campus for black students, currently just black males, but looking to start the sister side, mm-hmm. just aiming to kind of build professional skills going into the, the real world once they graduate. So right. um, whether that's just working on resumes, working on mock interviews, making those connections into whatever field they want to get into. As well as, aside from the professional aspect, just giving our guys a place to sit down and talk and have those real discussions with each other. Yeah, and I highly recommend for, you know, my black people out there on campus to be a part of men. We're gonna, it's a great opportunity to meet other black men as well, black mm-hmm. sisters, you know, they're starting yeah, to come. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely join us. Yeah. Um, we, we have meetings every third Thursday of the month, mm-hmm. so we just had one last week. We had Gamma Mu come on, and they were just spitting some wisdom to us about what to expect in the real world, what they've gone through in their lives. So definitely come out and join us. We got room for everyone. Yeah. All right, then. Let's dive into some questions. Uh, We'll be discussing Black Lives Matter movement. And the first question is, uh, what is Black Lives Matter? Yeah. So essentially, Black Lives Matter, the movement itself, is a social justice movement aimed at eradicating the injustices that black people face, our communities face, And further than that, kind of just what all oppressed people in this country are facing. And then what we saw last year after the George Floyd incident is this is a movement that kind of spreads worldwide. So we saw protests, marches in so many different countries. Everybody feels this pain and they're kind of speaking up. So this movement itself speaks up for all people of oppressed communities, whether it's the Latinx community, whether it's the LGBTQ community. But just started up with black people speaking up for themselves originally in I believe 2013 after the Trayvon Martin killing kind of started up and it's just basically speaking up for the black community what we're facing whether it's police brutality Uh, we saw last November it it was huge in combating voter suppression so it goes a long way and does a whole lot for our community and what sparked your support for this movement so this is kind of while I was thinking about this question it kind of goes in three stages of of my life. First, kind of right after the Trayvon Martin trial, I was watching it live with my uncle. 
out in Texas, we were on vacation. I'm sitting there watching the trial. And even as a 13 year old, I don't know what grade you're in, maybe eighth grade or something like that. Right. I'm sitting there watching the trial. And at the time I knew right from wrong, like you can't just, you know, kill someone, get away with it, whatever. And I'm sitting there watching it. And once I, the verdict came down and he obviously was acquitted. After that, I had my real first shock about like what it's like to be a black man in this country. And right. just seeing that someone could get killed in uh, cold blood and nothing happened to the, to the person. Um, that was kind of my first just real shock. So that was in 2013, that was what really opened my eyes. And then 2015 was the summer of 2015 after my sophomore year of high school. Um, it was kind of a bad summer as best as I can remember for police brutality. I think that was like the Philandro Castile, Eric Gardner, I Can't Breathe times. Right. I might be mistaken, but that was kind of just, it was a bad summer and the climate around it kind of just gave me a lot of anxiety. I mean, really woke me up to the movement itself. Also what fed into it was my dad, I was getting my driver's license soon. So my dad gave me the police talk that I'm sure so many black kids have had when they're getting their license, just right. about if you ever get pulled over, this is what you do. You have all your ID, your your insurance, whatever. You have it all ready with you. Put your hands on the steering wheel, roll, roll your window down, and don't, don't say anything disrespectful to the officers. Just get home safe, that kind of thing. So between that, what I was witnessing on social media, on the news, kind of just gave me a lot of anxiety. So I kind of did a lot, did some research into what the movement itself was. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what really woke me up to open my eyes to Black Lives Matter specifically. And then the last and final thing that made me like take a deep dive into not even just Black Lives Matter, but kind of the history of our people was last summer. Obviously, everybody was kind of sitting still because of the pandemic. And I woke up one morning and I look at Twitter and I see a nine minute long video of uh, obviously George Floyd. So that was kind of the last straw for me. I guess that was what made me go full force into this whole thing. Uh -huh. And it ended up with me being obviously through that and the conversations I was having that led me to getting involved with the multicultural office, meeting Mr. Glenn, starting up my group because I felt that was something that was needed not only on this campus, but, you know, in this country. So that's kind of the steps that made me take a full deep dive into into supporting Black Lives Matter and and, you know, doing what I can for our community. Yeah. And I'm not sure if a lot of people know about this, but. I know that Trayvon Martin, like, it was like a complete shock. No, you know? exactly, man, exactly. And uh, he was, at the time, I think, I'm, I'm pretty sure I was 13. That's, but, you know, he's four years older than, than me at that point. So right. it's someone that I could, like, really see a resemblance in myself, not only just because of the skin tone, but the age. I mean, he was just a kid. Um, and I'm sitting there at my uncle's house in Texas. Um, he's kind of the stereotypical kind of Texas and conservative, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. So, like... My that side of my family was kind of just going about their day like they saw it happen and just went on with their day. And I'm sitting there like like almost traumatized seeing that, bro. Right. I, I think also kind of that sparked my mind is because it kind of made me aware to the generational trauma that that we have as black people. So 100%, yeah. I think I think that fed into it as well. It was, it was really shocking to me. And then it spoke volumes that people could just go about their day after witnessing that. So, yeah. And I know a lot of people, they kind of view Black Lives Matter and All Lives Matter and Blue Lives Matter more political than humanitarian. How mm -hmm. does that make you feel? Mm -hmm. It's it's disappointing, but I'm not 100% surprised because you see it happen so many times with so many things that black people try to do. I mean, the, the 
first thing that comes to my mind is Colin Kaepernick trying to trying to speak up. Wasn't even really speaking up about anything at first, just taking a kneel to speak up for uh, police brutality, I guess. And that got misconstrued into being a whole political movement right. um, when he was really just trying to speak up for, in his words, his brothers and sisters dying at the hand of the police force. So that got turned. So I really wasn't too surprised by how this whole movement was seen, especially with we saw some of the protests turn to riots. So I kind of knew that that was coming. But um, I was a little disappointed to see that, especially a lot of the people close to me, they either chose to be oblivious to, to what was really going on or, or whatever it may be. But overall, it, it's, it's a little disappointing. But I think we're doing the best we can as a whole, trying to show people that it doesn't matter if you're left, right, red, blue, green, yellow, whatever it is, this is just a social justice movement, speaking up for just human lives and caring about human lives. Yeah. And I think politics put it in so much of debates and of like, you know, mm -hmm. Democrats and Republicans mm -hmm. to the point where they're kind of like missing the whole point of it. We're not like red or blue. It's exactly. like, it's, a, it's about humans. It's about, exactly. you know, moral ethics. And yeah. And I think somewhat of, of what that is, is because the name itself, Black Lives Matter, kind of mm -hmm. makes it seem that it's like just black lives. No, nah, we're speaking up for speaking on behalf of black people. But this is this movement itself is fighting oppression against or for all people, you know, whether, like I said earlier, red, blue, green, whatever you are, if you're oppressed, this movement is for you and it's fighting to make changes that will impact your life. Right. And our next question kind of deals a little bit with the police force. Uh, do you believe that there is a common bias by the police force towards minorities? Uh, yes, I do. I do believe that there is because not only is it the police force itself kind of stemming from a racial place, back during slavery times, transitioning into what it is now. But we see it in the, in the statistics as well. When you look at black people being only around like, I think 10 to 13% of the, the population here in America, but black men make up 34% of the prison population. Mm -hmm. So when you look at that, it's kind of it's hard to miss statistics when you, when you think about it, but also just speaking on personal experiences. It's, it's very easy to see talking about how many times we're pulled over, how many times I'm stopped walking in and out the gates, even here at GCU, mm -hmm. and seeing other people just walk right through right by me. And I'm like, well, what's the big idea here? But <laughs> um, yeah, I, I do think there is a bias there. And it's kind of frightening to see when those are supposed to be the people that are protecting us, mm -hmm. keeping us safe out here on the streets. And then we're nervous around them, or at least I am. And I know a lot of people that I've spoken to are nervous when they see police. Right. It doesn't put them at ease knowing there's a, a badge right next to them. They're kind of like un uneased by it. So um, I think it's very alarming, but it's something that's definitely being brought to the forefront, especially after what we saw take place last year. All last year, it wasn't even just George Floyd, but we saw multiple accounts of it. And it's definitely being brought to the forefront of the conversation. Yeah. And um, you had mentioned about like personal experiences and that kind of leads up to our following question. Mm -hmm. Do you have any personal negative or personal positive experiences with law enforcement? Mm -hmm, for sure. I'll speak on the negative first so we can, you know, end this question on a good note. Mm -hmm. um, nothing too crazy. I don't want to go out and make it seem like I've been like tossed around, pulled out of my car or anything like that, but definitely pulled over for no reason. Like I'll get stopped. Um, driving late at night. My high school is in like somewhat of a nicer area mm -hmm. and I definitely got stopped there a couple times. Police officer came up and was in my car and I was like, did I do anything wrong officer? I was going 
three, four miles over, no taillights out, nothing like that. Mm-hmm. They come look in my car, like ask me a question or two and then leave. So just things like that or being stopped and coming out of a grocery store, just certain things like that. So nothing too crazy, just little things like that here and there. I've seen it happen when I was younger. We got the cops called on us for our dogs were barking too much. And for some reason, our neighbor felt that was enough to call call the cops on us. So they came out and literally had my dad like sitting on the sidewalk with handcuffs on for a dog barking too loud. And that was, I guess, that was another thing that made me realize like what it's like to be black in America. Because my dad comes in the house yelling and shouting like, I bet if I called the cops on the neighbor, they would have gave him some dog treats or something like that. (laughs) So, but anyways, those are kind of the only negative experiences I've had. Nothing too bad. But definitely I've had my fair share of of positive experiences too. My uncle was in the police force, so obviously I started out my life having a good view of cops Mm -hmm. and how good they can be and what they can do for their community. So I had him. I've had conversations with the chief of police here at GCU, Chuck and Joe. They're really good people. I've had multiple conversations with them, gone in depth about issues that not only are surrounding us in our community, but what they think about what's going on nationwide. So those are a few of the good and bad things that I've experienced. What do you believe is the biggest misconception behind the organization Black Lives Matter? I think there are two main ones that I think of off the top of my head. First being that, like we said earlier in the conversation, that this is just a movement for black people. By no means is this only speaking about black people. Yeah, we're Mm -hmm. Black Lives Matter is the phrase, obviously, so we're talking about black people. But like we said, when things change around for black people, that brings up a whole lot of other oppressed communities. I mean, it speaks up for those communities as well. So I think that's one misconception is that we're saying only Black Lives Matter. No, we're just saying Black Lives Matter, too. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one misconception. And then another is, I think, with how we, how we carry ourselves, like when it comes to the protests that we saw last summer, here or there, maybe one or two would turn to a riot, which would be whether it was incited by the police force or the actual protesters is up for debate. But I think we saw so many peaceful protests across the country, across the globe, that really speaks for how we move and that we really do want to do this peacefully and go about it the right way so that we get our point across. Right. And then with the rise of Black Lives Matter, you know, other movements have started, such Mm -hmm. as All Lives Matter and Blue Lives Matter. And how do you feel about those? (laughs) Uh, That's an interesting one, man. I the All Lives Matter one in particular, because when you say All Lives Matter, that would mean that Black Lives Matter. And that I mean, that's not the case, as we've seen. Mm -hmm. So that one just it kind of makes me laugh when people say it, because obviously, like I just said, it, it would mean Black Lives Matter, too. So. That one is very interesting to me. And then Blue Lives Matter, something I saw when it first came up last summer, I I saw something on Twitter and it said they chose to be cops. Black people didn't choose to be black. Mm -hmm. And also blue lives, like that's not a real thing. If you want to say cop lives matter, sure. I don't necessarily agree with them. I respect their opinions, obviously, because everybody's entitled to their own opinion. Right. But what I don't respect is how they are only doing that to combat Black Lives Matter. They don't even Mm -hmm. necessarily agree with it because, I mean, we've seen how certain people act towards the cops when they might say Blue Lives Matter, and they're gonna go and be disrespectful to cops, which shows that they're only saying Blue Lives Matter to diminish what Black Lives Matter means. So that's kind of my thoughts on it. Right. 
And this question I've been asking a couple of my friends. I actually asked my grandpa, and it was pretty interesting seeing his uh, his answer. Mm-hmm. But how does it feel to be a black man in America? Yeah, that's that's a great question. I first of all, I love being black. Mm-hmm. I I couldn't imagine it any other way. Nothing against anybody else, but personally, <laughs> bro, I I love it. Black people just have a special bond. I mean, we don't even have to be together for a long time, and me and you haven't even talked like all that much and here we are sitting together doing this right um so i think there's a there's a special connection that all black people have together knowing that everyone this color goes through some kind of oppression whatever it is throughout their lives so we have a connection and speaking for myself i love being black but being a black man in america it's definitely not easy it's not a it's not a walk in the park i think it's a special place to be in because their voice carries a certain power in this country because we've been here very, very long, over 400 years. Right. Um, and we, we've built this country off the blood, sweat, and tears of a lot of our ancestors. So we, we know what we're talking about when it comes to a lot of issues here. So we can speak on a lot of the problems that different oppressed communities face in this country. But, I mean, like I said, it's, it's definitely not easy. It has its troubles, but I couldn't imagine it any other way for myself. Right, right. And when were you exposed to the idea that race matters and some ethnicities are treated different than others? Mm-hmm. Like I said before, 2013, I think, was my big shock after watching the whole Trayvon Martin thing take place. Right. But I, I'll give a lot of props to my, my dad. He's definitely done a good job at letting me know not only the the bad history that has has come with being black, but definitely he's pointed out the good side of the history and the great figures we've had in our past, like Malcolm right. X, MLK, things like that. So he used to be studying to be a teacher, so he'd have like some plans for what class he was going to do or mock plans for a class, and it would be on black history, and he'd teach me. So he taught me about MLK, like I said, or the one that like really hit home with me was when he had a small little class on Emmett Till, which mm-hmm. was really eye-opening to me because at the time, I mean, I think there was like a couple year age difference between me at the time and Emmett Till when he mm-hmm. was murdered. So I think that the Emmett Till one was probably when it, my first real awakening to why different race in this country matters because my father, he did tell me why Emmett Till was murdered and what he did and what those people did to him. So mm-hmm. Got educated young, huh? Educated young, man. And I'm, <laughs> I'm glad I did. I'm glad I did. So I wasn't hit too hard later in life because I think I would have been a lot more shocked experiencing that Trayvon Martin thing if I had no real backbone to, to my support right there. Right. And what do you think is the biggest problem with having a discussion with someone who has opposing views? Mm-hmm. I think, and I'm guilty of this at times too, I think some people are so passionate about their views that it's hard to take criticism on it or it's hard to see another side of it, Mm. um, which is something that I think has changed a lot within the past year. I think people have definitely become more open, but it's still an issue with people being so passionate about their views that they don't want to hear any other side. I mean, that's, like I said, that's something I deal with, but that's just one problem with it. I think also people aren't able to sympathize with others and maybe put themselves in other people's shoes and kind of see where they're coming from, maybe see what the context is behind someone having that opinion. And I think that's something really valuable if you are able to put yourself in other shoes Mm. and kind of see 
what they're going through. I mean, we've heard it so many times, not even just the past year, but a lot that white people might not ever know exactly what black people are going through, but they can try to understand, they can try to gain knowledge on it. So that's just an example of how it can be done to try to put yourself in someone's other shoes and understand through their lens. So I think those are two of the issues, but I can say that I've seen a lot of growth in my country as a whole within the past year about how people are definitely trying to understand more. They might not 100% agree with you, but they're definitely trying to gain knowledge on why you you think the way you do. Right, yeah. And you kind of spoke a little bit about this. Do you believe that there's hope for change and to find a common ground with those who don't necessarily agree with you? Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, I do, I do believe there's hope. And part of that is because of the growth that that we've seen within right. the past year. We see a lot of people, no matter where they come from, what they've gone through, they're actually reaching out to have those conversations. I can't even name the amount of times that people came to me after they kind of saw how I was moving on campus and like the different things I've done. Mm-hmm. They came up to me and asked like, not as blunt as this, but like, what's it like to be a black man in America? Mm -hmm. Some form of that, what have you gone through? So I definitely think there's a lot of hope for this country regarding to that question, because I've seen it so many times that people are actually reaching out and trying to make those, make those difficult conversations happen. And they're trying to grow whether or not they agree with that opinion or not. Right. No, yeah, I totally agree. I've seen a lot of growth. You know, that's that's not saying like, you know, there's no issues or no yeah, problems because, you know, there's no there's no such thing as like being perfect in these type of conversations and these type of dialogues. But, you know, I think we're moving in the right direction. Definitely. I think it's it's definitely, you know, been better over time. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, just got to keep on moving up. Yeah, I, that that's exactly you can't we can't get complacent and think we've made it now just because we've seen a couple things change. I think this is the time when we really got to start going. Uh the past year was nothing in terms of what needs to actually accomplish, but it's a great step in the right direction. Right. But that is all the questions that we have for you. So, you know, I just want to thank you again for taking the time out of your day to come speak with us. Mm-hmm. Thank you for having me, man. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Diversity. Before we end, I just want to encourage all of you to continue the conversation with your friends and family. And if you haven't already, join us on Instagram at GCU underscore multicultural, where we'll continue to keep you posted on all the information about our upcoming events and other opportunities for you to be involved alongside of our multicultural office. It's been a pleasure being your host, and I hope you have a blessed day. And of course, as always, Lopes up.